Hello, and welcome to the podcast, As Some of You Once Were, with me, Trevor Brierley, pastor of Round Oak Baptist Church in Corbin, Virginia. And again, I just want to start off by saying how glad I am to have you listen to the podcast as we grow and study and worship the risen Lord Jesus Christ together. But again, let's just get right into this. We're going to continue our study through the book of Romans. We're going to be looking at a new chapter here today. We're going to be studying chapter 4 and looking at just the first few verses, verses 1 through 5. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope that you do, I hope that they're handy, I hope that you have something available. If you're driving and listening to this, please don't try to read and follow along, do that later. But if you have it available and safely can do so, please open to Romans chapter 4. We're looking at verses 1 through 5. And as you're looking there, since we did finish chapter 3 last time, I figure figure we do a little bit of a recap real quick. And just to kind of hit the main points, we saw quite clearly that it is faith. Faith. And not works that justify us. We saw that we tend to think the opposite way, though. As humans, we tend to look at ourselves first. We tend to think that we must achieve something to receive something. And and essentially, that's the opposite of what we need to be doing. It's the opposite of what we should be looking at. That is the opposite of nullifying the law. The opposite of works is what we should be doing. General thinking, the kind of thinking that is prevalent today and with most people and and realistically throughout human history, that's the kind of thinking that gets us in trouble. It is what gets us thinking in a non-biblical way. Because again, we point it back to ourselves. We make it about me, myself, and I. What can we do? How good we think we are. And again, it's a slippery slope that we slide down very quickly. And sometimes, dare I say, on purpose. And now Paul's going to go into this a bit more, though, as we continue on, we look more about it. Really, he's bringing up a person that most people, especially the Jews, especially at the time, would be familiar with. So let's just jump in and see it. We're not going to do any spoiler alerts today, so let's find out who this person is. Let's just jump in. Let's look at this. Follow along as I read it a lot. I hope you found it. Verse 1 through 5 of Romans chapter 4. What then will we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, has found? If Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, pay is not credited as a gift, but as something owed. But to the one who does not work, but believes on him who declares the ungodly to be righteous, his faith is credited for righteousness. So, as we start off, we look at this. Paul is starting off this thinking in a in a certain way, in a very distinct way. And again, he uses Abraham also for a very specific reason, for a certain reason. He is known, Abraham is known as the father of the faith, held in such high regard 
among the Jewish people. And it was Jewish belief, Jewish tradition, that Abraham had earned his righteousness, that he had done enough things. He did enough stuff. It was because of all the stuff that he did that he had somehow achieved a status, gained favor with God. And Paul is asking the question here, what did Abraham find? And realistically, I think if we break it down, we can find that we will see that there are two ways to look at this. First, what did Abraham find? And two, what do we find by looking back at him? What did Abraham find and what do we find by looking back at him? And to be clear, both these two ways have the same answer, which we'll get into in just a moment. But this teaching, what Paul is doing here, would have sent the Jewish community into a frenzy. They would have been up in arms about this. And one thing, as we look at this, and a lot of other things that Paul taught, but it's something that we have to remember, is that Paul grew up and was trained, well-trained, as a Jew, as a Jewish Pharisee. And arguably, there was no one more qualified than he was. So what we have to know is when we, when we read things like this, that he was coming at this from a position that was well-regarded. That's just something that we should always keep in mind. He really did know what he was talking about. But let's continue. Let's look at verse 2. If Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. So what did Abraham find? What can we see from this? I mean, if you know anything about Abraham, if you've read the book of Genesis, if you've sat in Sunday school more than once, you would know that Abraham did a lot of what we would consider, you know, quote-unquote, good things. But we have to remember, he also did some not-so-good things. But even beyond that, he is still put up on a pedestal. He's looked at in a different way, regarded so highly. If he was able to justify himself by the work that he did, then okay, sure, he would have something to boast about. But that is simply not the case. Paul writes here, but not before God. And we have to ask the question, what does that mean? When we start to really look at this, the, the answer becomes more and more clear. It, the answer is much more simple. What we do in our lives, the way that others see and perceive us, can be vastly different from what is actually happening. Just as in this case, the Jews were holding Abraham to such a high standard to the point that it was his works. It was Abraham's obedience to God that saved him. Those things is what they believed made him righteous. 
So yes, we can look at it like that. From a human point of view, he did all right. He did okay. Then from a different side, one in which we have to elevate him to all new heights. And not to mention that he was written about in the, in the Bible a bunch of times. From this point of view, he is a pillar of righteousness. We elevate people and we look at them from this standpoint that he was written about multiple times. He is regarded as the father of the faith and so many different things. We would see that, okay, maybe he did do something. But we should always look at it from a biblical point of view. We have to look at it like this. Again, we read here, but not before God. Our best days, this is the realization I think we all have to come to, but our best days are still tainted with sin. Every one of us. Isaiah 64, 6, all our righteousness are like filthy rags. This is how I see this. We want to look at someone, a person of great influence, just like in this case, we look at Abraham, a great man of the faith, a father of many nations. And if we are able to put him in a position, one that puts his godliness at a point, a point where we think that we could also be able to obtain, perhaps, then we can start to look at this in a different light. We start to think that we are able to get to this point ourselves. And not only ourselves, but on our own. That we can do just enough, again, quote-unquote, good things. That we can squeak by and escape the flames. We build other people up to unrealistic positions. And we try to mimic those other people. And one thing that we always have to remember is we follow and strive after and seek Jesus Christ daily. We have to remember this, that we are not called to be like anybody else. We are not called to be like other people. Our favorite pastor, our favorite teacher, actors, musicians, anybody of influence, our parents. But rather, we are called to be like Jesus. We are called to be like Christ. Which again has to be realized that is unattainable. Our works will do certain things for us. Maybe even get us praise from people while here on earth. But there is nothing that we are able to do that we can somehow justify ourselves before a holy and righteous God. But on to verse 3. Again, verse 3 says, for what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credit to him for righteousness. What does this say? He answers this right here. First, this is the best part. Paul is doing something that we all need to be doing. He says, what does scripture say? He, I mean, literally, quite literally, he says, for what does the scripture say? He's answering the question that he knows they're going to ask. And he answers it 
based on Scripture. What a novel concept. Shouldn't we all do that? But he says, what does Scripture say? He's showing that what he is going to say, the answer that he's going to give, is not merely his own thinking, but it is found in the Word of God. Because we get to this point far too often. We base too many things off of what we think, based off our traditions. We base things off what we want to hear. We change, twist, and even manipulate the Bible. And we do this until we get what we want. But what is happening here? Paul says, look at what the scriptures say. And then he quotes from Genesis 15, 6, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him for righteousness. Abraham believed God. He trusted him. When God said something, Abraham believed that it was going to happen. It does not say that Abraham was perfect. And it most definitely does not say that he did not sin. Or that after a certain point he no longer sinned. None of that. But it was the belief in God. The faith that God is who he says he is. That confession. That agreeing with God. The turning from our own thinking. And that saying, yes, God. You are right. You are righteous. And you are God. That changes everything. It's not living a perfect life, because we all know that is utterly impossible. But the faith and trust in God, that is what made Abraham righteous in God's eyes. Because this was all doing one thing. It was pointing to the coming Savior. In the Old Testament, they believed that God was going to send that Savior. And now, today... We get to look back and see that he did. That it happened. That Savior has come. The Lord Jesus Christ came to earth. All of human history hinges on Jesus Christ. You were looking forward to his coming. Or you are looking at his life, death, and resurrection. Either way, we hang eternity on the life of who he is. And he is Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior of the world. Plain and simple. Verse 4 and 5. Now to the one who works, pay is not credited as a gift, but as something owed. But to the one who does not work, but believes on him who declares the ungodly to be righteous, his faith is credited for righteousness. Here Paul is further elaborating on this. We touched on this last last time. If we are working, the pay is not a gift, but it is owed. And if we think we can earn salvation, that means God owes you something. And I want to be very clear on this. God does not owe us anything. He does not work for us. Have you ever had a performance review at work? You thought you were doing good. You thought you were doing well. There are a few things maybe that you hoped your boss didn't know about. Or maybe a few slip-ups. Nothing that's maybe, you know, earth-shattering or anything. But what if those little things, those little slip-ups, would cost you your job? 
What if your boss knew everything? He knew it all. What if no matter how good you thought you were, it was not enough? That those couple mistakes would mean and cost everything. Because that is truly the case. When we leave this earth, we will be judged before the seat of Christ. We will be before the judgment seat of him who sits on the throne. And when we face that judgment seat, are we going to bank our eternity on the things that we have done? Hoping that the scales of justice will tip our way. Or do we believe and have faith in something else? Something that is not of ourselves. Again, verse 5 says, But to the one who does not work, but believes on him who declares the ungodly to be righteous, his faith is credited for righteousness. There is only one. Only one who can declare it righteous. And it is the God of the universe, the creator of all things, Jesus Christ, who came to take our place. It is his righteousness that is imputed on us. And that is simply amazing. And I don't say this to be harsh. I, I do not say this to be mean. I am not here to point out anyone in specific. Because this 100% includes myself. But if we can work and work. We can try all these things. We can have a million years to do what it takes. Trying our hardest. Giving it our very best. But the reality is this. If we had a million years to try to earn our salvation, all we would have would be a million years worth of sin that is piled up on us. We could not get rid of it ourselves. We are not able to justify ourselves. It is only, and I do mean only, through the blood of Jesus Christ that we are able to be made clean. To know Him, to trust Him, and to see Him Jesus Christ for who he really is. To see him as the Lord and the Savior. That is how we are justified. That is how we are saved. But again, that's about all I have for today. As we look at just a few verses here, we get by quick. And it's going to start to pick up more and more as we go through the book of Romans. But kind of an introduction kind of aspect here as we start chapter four but again that is it if you have any comments questions concerns please feel free to email me pastor trevor at roundochurch.com but again until next time take care and may the lord richly bless you as you fervently seek him